Hi, and welcome to another Well Workplaces podcast. I'm Tom Bosner, your host, and today I'm chatting with Poppy Griffiths. Poppy, how are you? Hi, Tom. Uh, lovely to see you again. I'm well. How are you? I'm doing well, doing well. Been thinking a little bit about the idea of being a high-performing parent, having high well-being, and also being great with all of my relationships and those three things together for me made me think almost like if I could give myself a score out of each area, probably the one area that I might score myself a little bit less in is probably um, relationships. And it's probably, I don't know why that is and why I'm putting it out there on a podcast, but it's probably just at, that's, they're the three things that I'm thinking about as we come into this conversation. And um, that idea of being great a, you know, a high performing individual for work from a career perspective and also performing well at, at home. I know everyone, I know that's that kind of always that, that constant battle for, for working parents is how do I do both things really well? Um, and we are kind of leaders at work and, you know, leaders in our home life as parents as well. You know, today, I think it's really important that we talk about, or we'll, we'll get into knowing your value and also the idea of embracing feedback from all different angles. I think that's probably the best way to kind of angle this discussion. You happy with that? Yeah, sounds great. So I have no doubt that knowing our value and being able to accept and give good feedback definitely helps us get ahead. And I think in your term, I am a big believer on that high performance and relationships and well-being. And I think when we do know our value and we're good at feedback, we've got, yeah, the best chance in your case of building your relationships, but also to building well-being and performance, which is what I think all working parents would love to have more of. Absolutely. It's the mecca for parents, isn't it? Is doing all of those things really well. Why is knowing our value so important, Poppy? Yeah. So I think, you know, at work, if we think about the fact that we're leaders, right? At work, we're leaders and we've got to constantly demonstrate our capability. And, and especially when we're in leadership roles and positions of responsibility, and I like to say as parents, we're actually also leaders as well. We're leaders to our children and we're leaders in our families and our home lives. Uh, and it's really important that we know our value and lean into this value, both at work, in our careers, but also at home with our kids and, and our partner. And why it's important is that it really, when we know our values or knowing our value, I should say, we can play to our strengths. So I say, you know, we stop hustling for our worth and uh, you know, we stop trying to be perfect at everything. And instead we're able to focus on our strengths as both an employee and also as a parent. And, and we also know too, that when we do lean into our strengths, we're much more likely to find our flow and focus on where we're strong rather than trying to add value and be something at work or something at home that isn't actually playing that well to our strengths. So I think, yeah, knowing your value is great to be able to help you play to your strengths. It also helps reduce stress. So knowing where you provide the most important outputs and where you add value, this really helps override that day-to-day -day stress, those annoyances and the issues often that confront us as working parents. I think too, it's important knowing your value is ultimately right about getting clarity and focus. So when we become, you know, internally strong and confident about where we add value, we've got this clarity and focus when issues do arise. And it really allows us to sort of, I guess, filter the important things in our life, but also get rid of the unimportant and deflect those, you know, those distractions and 
the detractors. So I think ultimately, what does that lead to? Well, it leads to better happiness, right? It leads to better relationships. It leads to better performance. You know, we're more reliable and consistent parents when we know what we're doing is something we're good at and we're happier when we are doing what we're strong at and the things that we're good at. Yeah, it's really important, I think, to know know our value and um, lean into it. Yeah, I love it. I think everyone can probably, maybe some of the working parents that are listening to this, they probably might remember their early career stages, perhaps when before they were a parent and they can probably think about maybe people coming to work with a bit of a work persona, you know, that kind of that old thing where you would put on a different persona at, at work where maybe you're more serious or maybe you're speaking a different language, um, using big words that you don't normally use in your home life. I guess what we're saying here is um, you're obviously way past that if you're listening to this podcast or, or you, you, you might be, <laughs> hopefully you are, um, but you sort of, you, you're really understanding your true self. And then as you say, leading into that to, to really embrace your strengths and, and also from a parenting perspective as well, maybe where you, when you start off as a parent, you, you've got the perfectionist hat or you're, you're trying to do everything hundred percent right. And then you realize over time that yeah, there's, that's not going to work in the long run. So then you do figure out what your, where your niche is with your kids, um, and what you, what you're good at. So, um, no, no, that's, that's, I think that evolves. So I think, you know, you make a good point about the pre-kids and then post-kids, you know, where we add value changes as we go through our career and become working parents. And it's really good to, to think about, okay, what helped me succeed in my career and to obviously take those things through with you where they make sense when you're a working parent, but also think about, okay, I've evolved as a working parent. Where are some of those things I once did in my career? Where do they not serve me so well? And what are the, some of the changes I need to make or some of the new things I can bring into say my working life that I've learned and done well as a parent that could also serve me well in my career. So yeah, I think thinking about it as an evolution is really helpful. Absolutely. With knowing your value, how can we start to show more of our value, I guess, at, at home and at work? Yeah. So I think as working parents, right, we totally beat ourselves up whether we're doing a good enough job in all aspects of our life. I know I do. And I think the first instance, we need to take the time to stop and ask ourselves, what unique value and contributions do I bring to my family and working life every day, which is what we've just touched on. And I think a good place to start here is being clear on your core values and strengths. So I know I'm reiterating this point, but it's really important knowing your strengths, knowing what's meaningfully, you know, your core values inside. That's basically our North guiding star. And when we're able to really live our values and play to our strengths, we do well, we're happy, and we just have less friction generally. So that's a great place to start. I think also asking yourself what you can eliminate from your schedule. So we as working parents too often jump around crazily trying to add value at work, value at home, you know, value in the communities we work and operate in. And we take on a lot. And basically we get, I, I think, a little bit caught up as a working parent thinking, you know, I can juggle and I can do it all. But I think it's important that we actually stop sometimes and ask ourselves, you know, what can I eliminate? Could I be actually adding more value at work and in my life to my family? if I'm doing less. So considering that, taking that time is important. And I think the last thing, which none of us are good at working parents or not, is getting better at saying no and asking for help. So like from a help perspective, if you're feeling overloaded, I do often think, and I'll say it to myself first and foremost, I'm probably not doing a very good job 
at asking for the help that I need. And so when we're asking for help, we really need to figure out exactly what it is that we need. Don't be afraid to ask explicitly for it. And I always say, accept all the help you can get as a working parent. And I think the no side of things, you know, we all hate saying no. I admit that like all of us, all of us do, the science and the research will tell you, but how can we actually keep our workload and work at home in control, which will allow us to devote more time and energy to our highest priorities? It's actually often about saying no. Um, I know none of us want to be labeled as that non-team player or difficult to work with because, you know, we've said no, but the truth is, the trouble is when we say yes to people all the time, we're stretched, we're stressed and staying no is actually vital to our own performance uh, and also to the performance of the organization you work for. So sometimes saying no is actually doing everybody a favor. I think, you know, saying no, the best place to start is just take the time to assess the request. Can you juggle the priorities? And if you can think about what's actually the consequences or the trade-offs if I actually take this on. And I think practice saying no. You know, sometimes we're just scared of saying it. But I also think too, if you think about all the jobs or professions out there that their job is to say no all the time. So think about like judges or the police or, you know, lawyers or, you know, referees. Like they say no and they say it with dignity and integrity. And I think we can remember this, right, in our everyday practicing actually saying out loud no. Um, mm. it, you know, it's the more we do it, it actually feels less hard. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. I think as well with this, Poppy, a lot of people start their working day maybe in a bit of a, a bit of a, like a sprint mode. Um, so, you know, from, from if it's the morning drop-offs with kids and then it's like, oh, I've got to get straight into this. Sometimes just pausing and going, what's important today? A lot of people start with a to-do list, which yeah. I, I really hate to-do lists. I normally start with listing things and using a bit of a, a quadrant for, you know, priorities and that kind of thing. But there's also on my, on another bit of paper, I've got a to not do list. That's so basically a, a things that I no will suck the energy out of me, whether that's it's work and home type stuff. That's yeah, not really adding much value to anyone, but I have a tendency to say yes to it. So I've got a list of all the things that I, what, I love that. I'm am not going to do. Yeah. That's a, yeah. That's right. That's a great thing. Sometimes we need to write that down because we get like coming back to habits, which we spoke about last week, we always get caught, you know, caught in just the things we've always done and often they don't serve us well. And I think on the task list too, as a working parent, as you say, like you're sprinting to the start line every day, we actually forget about what our longer term meaningful goals are as an individual, as family or in our career. And I think it's really when you are assessing, you know, should I say no to this or, you know, can I take on something more? Or, or am I defined by my task list? Just take a moment to actually think about, well, where, where do I want to be long-term? What are my actual goals? And is what I'm doing aligned to those priorities? Or in your case, should I put a whole heap of stuff on the not-to-do list? Yeah, it's my favourite list because it's kind of therapeutic. So yeah, I'm never going to do that, you know, right. ever. And, and it's not adding value, et cetera. And I've shared that, that idea of a do-not list with some of our team and they've always laughed because I am... Like, to be honest, I do say kind of no to a fair bit of stuff because I, I think that if I say yes to everything, nothing else will get 
some of the more important things will get done. So maybe it's just a byproduct of feeling like there's a lot coming at me and I need to put it and channel it somewhere. But I think just to share that one with the listeners, I think it's a good one for parents as well, because there will be things that you know you should not do or you, you could say no to and throw it down somewhere and just have a giggle at it occasionally and you'll feel better about stuff that you're actually doing as well. Yeah, great. I love it. A not-to-do task list. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, do not do. Poppy, another sort of aspect to this is just around getting feedback. Um, we get feedback in our work life sometimes. I think traditionally people don't like giving feedback and they don't, employees don't like getting it as well. That's probably a whole nother topic altogether on, on why that is that way. But I'd be interested to kind of talk about getting feedback, but as a parent, so how do you actually do that with your kids or your family? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a really good question. I think I, I'm a big passionate advocate for how can we all be talking more and giving more and doing more with feedback? Because really it's a gift. Like feedback is a gift and we're all terrified mm. about it. So I think in answer to your first question, family, we don't often stop and ask ourselves like, wow, what sort of feedback could I get from family? my own family that would actually help set us up for success? What feedback can we give each other that would set us up for success? Let's touch on the career side in a sec, because I think that's a nice, that's a nice conversation as well to help people in their careers. But coming back to family as a working parent, we can ask for feedback at home, just like we do at work and really understanding how other people experience us. And that includes our family. It's such an important tool for positive change. I think at home, it's really easy often to overlook the impact that we have both good and bad because we're so busy just being parents and partners, you know, and I don't think we really even stop to say, how can we measure ourselves as parents? And I say that in a way that's not measuring ourselves as a comparative term. So it's not measuring, you know, how am I going to the Joe Blow family next door? It's actually measuring yourself as a family, your own happiness, your own goals, what you see as successful and gives you fulfillment as a family unit. So I'll often suggest, um, I call it a 360, which is what we call it at work, right? It's an mm -hmm. informal assessment. And ultimately this is relying on the power of a conversation and connection with those that are in your family. And it's a great place to start. So like, if you want to, to use a, fam a family 360, if you like, prepare, like actually take the time to think about it, make a positive experience, give your family and your kids context and really a sense of safety because, you know, if you're stating your intention is about getting some feedback and that you're going to give them some questions, explain to your kids, especially what you're looking for as a parent and how you want their feedback. You could think about what do I like? What do I do as a parent that you like or that you would like me to do more of? Or, you know, also to putting yourself out there and see what do I do currently that you don't like? or that, you know, maybe having a negative impact on you as my kids or you as my partner. I think when we actually prepare and we're clear on what questions we want to ask each other, we can actually really set that stage for honesty and openness. And I think, you know, your kids may feel worried or concerned about your response to their feedback, but I think it's really important that we emphasize it's okay to be sharing anything, both positive or negative. And I think having the conversation, so reassurance is key you know, openness and ensuring that your child's opinion is valid. That's really important. And I always tell my kids personally that once I have their feedback, that I'd love to actually chat together with them and brainstorm some ways to implement the changes that they'd like to see that they've brought up with me. And I think another one 
is managing your emotions. So I think naturally often what we hear from our partners or our kids, that can sometimes be hard and mm-hmm. it's not necessarily the feedback we always want, but certainly with your children and I would say your partner too, if we're going to ask for feedback, there is an element of us needing to act with a bit of grace on, I guess, you know, appreciation. And the goal ultimately really is to understand the perspective of those in our family and really getting angry, you know, only harm that relationship that you're trying to build. Mm. So, yeah. And I'd imagine as well coming out with, you know, even just the, the framing of what it's all about and the intent behind the conversation. It's the great thing about that is you're kind of being, well, you've been clear with what you want out of the combo, you're vulnerable as well. So, you know, I think that's a great thing for kids to see as well in some ways is that you are opening up the conversation and you're taking feedback without, as you say, without a hectic emotional reaction to it. And it's a pragmatic approach to the let's discuss. And I I think the vulnerability, Tom, that's so true. Like, I think we know that you know, as a society, we don't demonstrate vulnerability enough. And the best way to encourage, you know, our kids and the future generation and each other to be more vulnerable is to demonstrate it ourselves in the first instance. So when we do that, we know we're giving permission for others. So that is a great way to teach, you know, from the outset that your kids know that it's okay to be honest and open um, and, and transparent and, you know, share their opinions. I think on the other side of opinions too, kids really value being asked their point of view and being able to share it. Like don't underestimate that actual, that empowerment that you're providing your child and that, you know, building that relationship and that bond between you and that respect between parent and child making sure that child has a voice and being able to provide that feedback. So it's really important for family dynamics. Yeah, definitely. Lots lots of value in that. And I, I also love just in my experience with my kids anyway, I just like, I also love the brutal honesty that you get from kids when yeah. you ask them what they, what they think. It's actually brilliant and sometimes comical. Yes. So if you need love for a bad day at work, ask your kids for feedback. You'll either end up in tears in your room or you'll be... <laughs> Laughing joyfully with them. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. We've, we've, that's obviously, we've talked about the 360 feedback style at home. What about feedback at work? I kind of mentioned, and it was a bit of a, I guess, a generalization that people don't like receiving feedback and people and managers often don't give it enough. Is that, am I just making assumptions there or is that, do you agree with that? No, the research, you're not making any assumptions. You're bang on the the research, the science, everything out there will tell you that we as humans aren't great at asking for feedback overall, overarchingly, and we also don't overly like giving it. It can, you know, it can make us feel quite tense and uneasy. You know, feedback, like we've just spoken about, so important at home, but what about work? And I think especially with working parents, If we can seek feedback in our careers, we are absolutely setting ourselves up for success, ongoing career momentum, career growth, career advancement. Like we must not be scared of feedback. I think as working parents, we're so, you know, just trying to get through the day in our career often for a lot of years while we're juggling a lot, especially when your children are younger, but for a lot of people too, the demands only get exacerbated in different ways as your children get older. And so using feedback's a great tool actually for us to get ahead and for us to learn and, and grow. It's interesting. I've read by this Sheila Heen is her name. She's written a book called Thanks for the Feedback, which is all about the art and science of receiving feedback. 
not a go-to for everyone, but I found it an interesting book. Um, but she basically said people who go out and solicit negative feedback, meaning they're not just out there to try and seek positive compliments, they themselves will report higher satisfaction at work, that they're able to adapt more quickly to new roles and they get higher performance reviews and proactively demonstrate that they're really committed to their job. So there's a lot to be said to be actually going out there and asking for feedback. I think, what do you think it may be helpful? I thought maybe just even providing a couple of pointers um, for how do we actually ask feedback to get ahead? Because I think often we don't really know how to do that. You know, I've often heard what is the best approach to actually get what you're looking for and, um, you know, when is the best time, et cetera. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be fantastic. I think your point about working parents sometimes just getting kind of getting through the day often in the early years, especially, you know, you're losing, not, you're not getting as much sleep. You may be caffeinated a little bit more than you, you would like. And sometimes you are just trying to get through the weeks and days, but it seems like for, you know, that mecca of being a high performer as, as well as having high well-being, you kind of need, uh, you kind of need that, need that feedback. But I must, must admit though, sometimes when people are asking for feedback, sometimes what they're actually asking for is, um, positive reinforcement. So I think as the, if you are a person that is giving feedback, there's, you've got to be able to read the situation yep. and understand what people really want, um, but that comes. And I to, you think the positive reinforcement, it's a good, it's a really good point, Tom. It's not, don't be afraid to be asking for positive reinforcement as well. Like on the flip one side, yes, we can talk about how can we improve and grow, but Sometimes it is actually about confidence and mission mm, mm. in what we're doing well. And when we take the time to actually even ask our leader or boss at work, you know, what am I actually doing? What would you like me to see? You know, what can I do more of that's, you know, serving our team, this organization, the goals? That's actually a great way to build relationships too with, you know, your immediate leader, boss, team. So really helpful to ask, you're right, to ask both ways, positive and um, for improvement. Absolutely. Yeah, I'd love, love, love to hear your tips, Poppy, on this one. This would be great. Yeah, so I think it's when we're asking for feedback, number one I'd always say is no, understand actually what you're looking for in the feedback. Like what type of feedback do you want? You know, coming back to is it positive, you know, positive recognition and acknowledgement or appreciation for a job well done? You know, is it evaluation on your performance of a particular project or task? Or, or generally speaking, from a coaching perspective, are you just looking for like a general sort of coaching approach from your leader on how you can grow and improve? I know I personally have taken a bit of approach where, you know, but working on a project, I felt that I was getting great recognition and that was really helpful for me. And I knew that I was valued in the business, but what I didn't really get a sense on was where I needed to work on or improve to make the project better or to get the funding that we needed or to win the innovation pitch. And for me, from a high performance point of view, that was just equally important. I didn't want just all the, the good recognition all the time. I actually also wanted to know how I could make it better. So yeah, understand what you're looking for. I think the second, the second thing, real-time feedback, right? This is really helpful, for, especially for everyone that's fearful of asking or giving feedback. So if you want feedback, act in the here and the now. You don't have to sit down with this long list of 10 questions and a formal annual or quarterly feedback conversation. Like just chop up what type of feedback you're wanting to seek into like quite manageable short chunks that you can have five minute conversation, coffee conversation, reach out to your boss or your colleague and have a more of, a, I guess, a quick informal 
coaching exchange, if you like, rather than some lengthy, I'm out here to get all of this to feedback and let's book a time. And that can become nerve wracking for everyone. So just informal, regular, real-time feedback's great. And I think be specific with what you're asking. So do not, I always say, don't begin a conversation with, do you have any feedback for me? It's a really terrible question because the answer always will be no. And what do we gain? But nothing, like we learn nothing. So we can actually think about asking questions, you know, what could I do to improve? What's one thing I could have done better, you know, on that recent project, piece of strategy work, campaign I delivered. It's really important we basically avoid asking those yes and no questions. Try and actually ask questions that begin much more with that. How could I do it? What could I do? You know, these types of questions will elicit fuller responses. And especially too, if you have somebody that's not that willing to give feedback, it's a, it's an easier way, I think, to begin the conversation rather than just get stuck with a yes and the no. So be really specific. I love it. And I think as well, I mean, yes, love all those examples. And it just, it's got me thinking straight away. I think as a, if you're a, if you're listening to this and you're a manager, sometimes it is a bit challenging to, or it's not challenging. It's just, maybe it's a priority thing, but the feedback that you can give your um, people is so important. If you can get it in real time, it's obviously so valuable, but if you start just doing it out of nowhere and it hasn't been a ritual in your team, then you can kind of fall over because people start going, where's all this, where's all this feedback coming from the employee or the person that's, that's the working person. Um, there's heaps of, if you can take it, if you can control it yourself, you can control your own destiny in some ways with your career. So, um, by getting the feedback and approaching it, just like you say, I'll be quite specifically with real clarity of what you want. Gee, there's a lot of value in that. I honestly haven't met a lot of people that really come for the feedback like yeah. that. So I'd, I'd be really impressed if someone did and that would then be like, oh, great. Let's, you're proactive. Let's work together kind of thing. Yeah. I'll it's, that. Great, it's a great way to build, I think, build great relationships. We are fearful that it's going to damage relationships, but I love your point of making it a ritual. Like as an individual, make asking for feedback your ritual as a team leader make giving feedback and expecting feedback from team members just an informal, real-time, you know, mm. every week ritual that's no big deal, right? It's no big deal. It's all about being supportive, high-performance growth and helping people learn and grow. And when we do make those rituals, like we know it's a lot easier to just make that standard human behaviour rather than sort of ad hoc and when mm. we've um it's certainly much more successful. Absolutely. And that, the habit episode we recorded last week, it kind of something in there, maybe that's the way to then create that ritual as well. And so if you haven't listened to that, go back to that episode and have a listen to the, the last part of that on habit creation. Poppy, thanks so much. That was really insightful. Absolutely love it. Thanks so much. Great, Tom. Always terrific talking to you. Thanks. Thanks for tuning in to another Well Workplaces podcast. If you've loved the show, it would be fantastic if you could leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Or feel free to follow us on LinkedIn or Instagram and search Well Workplaces or my profile, Tom Bosner. The show is produced by Alice Hoyle and is made in my backyard cubby. If you would like to hear more about our exclusive events and more about the Well Workplaces community, 
feel free to email me directly at tom at wellworkplaces.com.au where I'd love you to tell me who I should interview in the future podcasts and also tell me what you've loved most about the show. This podcast is really built on community input and built on the aspiration of inspiring healthy change in every workplace. Thanks for listening.